When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the PensCast Mailbag. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. As always, alongside me, he is a fellow contributing writer over at Pensburg.com and co-host of the PensCast Mailbag and the aptly named standard PensCast. It's Robbie Noggle. Robbie, uh, well, we're recording this a day later than we typically do on the eve of April 11th, before the Penguins play the Blackhawks, by the way, but uh, we won't dive too much into it. Uh, but the Penguins controlled their own destiny once again after getting some favorable results last night, Monday night, in relation to the Islanders and the Panthers. But uh, we'll save that for Friday. We'll do a, a season recap of sorts slash playoff preview if we get to that point. Uh, but for now, we have 13 questions. If you would like to contribute to this mailbag episode of the PensCast, you can do so by following the Skating Penguin Network on Twitter at PenguinsFFSN. Every week, we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in these mailbag episodes. We have 13 questions this week. And, uh, well, Robbie, let's get into it. You get question number one. Question number one comes from the always reliable Brian. Brian wants to know who is the most overrated acquisition, albeit trade, free agency, etc., and who is the most underrated acquisition in Penguins history. So overrated acquisition and underrated acquisition. Brian says, I have to think Pascal Dupuis is one of the more underrated acquisitions considering the Swiss Army knife he was for us. Robbie, uh, who in your eyes is the most overrated and underrated acquisition? Overrated? I hate to say this because... I loved him as a player, and the whole process of getting him was uh, pretty crazy, if you uh, remember how it all went down. But um, Jerome Ginla uh, may be slightly overrated just because uh, he wasn't as bad as what people say. But I definitely think that everybody expected a little bit more when he came uh, to Pittsburgh, when he thought he was going to Buffalo or Boston, and then in the middle of the night it switched back over to the Penguins. They got the deal done. They got him and then subsequently lost to the Bruins uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals that same year. Underrated? I, I think that because of how he left, a lot of people kind of forget the impact he had, and they didn't win a cup with him. And he was actually a part of – he was the main piece of the Pascal Dupuis trade, uh, who would definitely be an underrated player, but Marion Hosa, his, albeit brief time in Pittsburgh, was otherworldly. That's why they made such a hard push to keep him, is because his chemistry with Sidney Crosby was phenomenal. I think we may have talked about it on a past podcast, maybe even this season, what Hosa's career numbers could have looked like if he would have played with Sidney Crosby his entire career, and if he would have signed that seven- or eight-year deal, whatever the Penguins offered him 
after that 2008 Stanley Cup run. And he would have been one of the great Penguins in history, and his number would probably be discussed uh, going up into the rafters when his career, well, now that his career is over. But I think that we really have to consider what he did in that time. And I think he kind of floats under the radar a little bit as for what he did to the Penguins because he never won a cup. He left kind of on bad terms, but he was an all-world player uh, when he came over and he just clicked with Crosby and he was such a significant part of that run of the finals uh, where they ultimately lost and the Penguins did get payback in 2009. But I, I always think about that trade, how people kind of, it's been for 15 years now People kind of brushed that under the rug, and it didn't end in a cup, but a hugely significant part of what eventually led to to where the Penguins are now um, all these years later, what he contributed and what he meant uh, at that time. He's very similar in a way to the Ron Francis kind of like meaningful, like, okay, we are all hands on deck now. We got our superstar, his, his complimentary piece. We're going for it. So I definitely think... Hosa still gets swept under the rug um, for how impactful that move was. Question number two again from Brian. What's your Permanis order? Uh, mine is a big bro pastrami, uh, and he adds the egg. Robbie, I want to get uh, your thoughts in this question as well, too. Um, I'll go first. Pastrami is is always a good one. I think my, my go-to order is uh, the bologna. I'll get the bologna with an egg on top. However, I am very much anti-tomato, so I will I will mm. not have tomato on any of my sandwiches. Everything else is fine, uh, except the tomato. But I'll probably put the bologna on there. Uh, with the uh, I'll go with Brian. Brian knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He has the right idea with the adding an egg with the pastrami. Sometimes I'll go with the pastrami too if I'm if I'm not feeling bologna or anything like that. But yeah, for the most part, uh, pretty much stick with uh, stick with bologna. Uh, bologna and an egg on top, no tomato. Robbie, uh, do, do you have a go-to Primanis order yourself? Uh, I'm basic. Uh, I'm a Pittsburgher. Um, no tomatoes either. I'm not a tomato guy. Get the fry or get the fries on it. And for an appetizer, I am always the cheese stick triangles. Uh, that's very pretty good. much. Yeah, that's pretty much my. And yeah, I know the Pittsburgh is very kind of just very basic, but man, it's really hard. Uh, to go wrong with uh, with that meal. If I'm really feeling up for it, I'll double the meat, but that's pretty rare. Uh, and I also throw ketchup on it as well. Uh, yeah, me for too. A little, yeah, for a little bit of uh, uh, moisture on there as well. But um, it's really hard. Like they have a lot of good foods. Uh, that when even when you get away from the sandwiches, but I'm a Pittsburgher guy uh, with um, some uh, mozzarella triangles as well. If anyone from Primanti is, is is listening to this podcast by chance and you'd like to sponsor us, well, get in touch with me on Twitter. Anyway, question number three comes from Brian. This is a hypothetical acquisition of sorts for the offseason. Brian suggests signing goaltender Jacob Markstrom as a possible starter with uh, Dan Vladar playing so well for the Calgary Flames. In this scenario, Tristan Jari signs a, a bridge deal of sorts and the Penguins have a 1A slash 1B goalie situation. Robbie, do you like the idea of uh, bringing in a goaltender, uh, an experienced goaltender like Jacob Markstrom to compete with Tristan Jari? If that's the route you're going, I can't necessarily say it's awful. 
I'm not sure that Markstrom is what he was two years ago. And I don't know if Jarvis is going to take a bridge deal. I don't know. We'll find out. A couple people have kind of tossed this idea around on Twitter. And I've kind of come to grips with this is something that you do. And it is, if goaltending is one of your main priorities this offseason, just stack picks, whatever you're willing to get rid of, call up. What it th- what will be um, Barry Trotz and see if they are interested in talking UC Soros. Uh, there's going to be a contract dispute with Soros this summer. The Nationals kind of entering a rebuild. They're definitely they have an outside shot at the playoffs. Probably not going to make it. Um, they're kind of in that I guess purgatory type situation now where they're not the team they were in 2017 and 18 when they went to the finals and won the president's cup, they're just kind of there. Now they're a middling bubble playoff team without the superstars. Yeah. They have Philip Forsberg, but they don't really have the superstars like a penguins do um, where they, where it may just be a simple uh, fix to get back in contention. Um, so I, while I like the Markstrom idea, uh, another one for people to think about this off season is, would you be willing to do the Soros trade uh, if they're willing to deal? And I think he's that good of a goaltender that there's so many issues surrounding the Penguins that deal with goaltending. I think this is something you do. And that's just my personal opinion. You guys can chime in on that on the Twitter or wherever, but that's just my personal opinion. But dollars to dollars, I don't think Tristan Jari's in Pittsburgh next year. I think very whoever, interesting. Yeah. I, I just, unless they'd make the playoffs and he would just become Dominic Hasek and steal them a series against Carolina or the Bruins or something just completely out of this world, then I could see them making, bringing him back. I just feel like there's going to be with a new general manager coming in, there's going to be a big reset. Again, I could be completely wrong, but if I'm putting the money down right now, I don't think Justin Jarvis in Pittsburgh next year but if they are looking to deal and they are willing to move a significant amount of picks, I'm on the, the Juicy Sorrows train. Question number four, uh, again from Brian. Uh, we can all agree that Sid is a top five player of all time when he retires, uh, but where do you think uh, Gino ends up when he retires? Well, I'm looking right now at the NHL record book and uh, total career points. Uh, Sidney Crosby just hitting the 1,500 point mark in his career. Uh, that's good for right now, 15th all time. Scrolling down a little bit, Evgeny Malkin right now is the 44th best player in NHL history based purely on point totals. Well, if you're, if you're the NHL going back to their uh, 100th anniversary celebration, he's the 101st best player in league history. Where does Evgeny Malkin fit in that in that landscape when it's all said and done i don't know how hot of a take is too hot he's definitely top 50 he's probably going to definitely be be top 40 there are so many players spanning so many different eras and uh to cross-examine different eras and to score adjust different eras uh, all, all these crazy statistics and whatnot I can't give a, a firm number of where Evgeny Malkin ends up when when it's all said and done. With how many players have played the game over the last 100 plus years, I will firmly say though, 
Evgeny Malkin will be a probably a top 30 player all time, not just in terms of career points, but everything that he, he's brought to the table, carving out a niche for himself, sort of in the shadow of Sidney Crosby for his entire career. I, I, I would firmly put Evgeny Malkin in the top 30 range. Where? Uh, th- that That's a question for another time. Uh, that one I do not have super specifics for, but he's definitely probably one of the 30 best players to ever play in the National Hockey League. Question number five for you, Robbie, comes from Brian as well. The guys on the Athletics Hockey Show recently discussed whether Chris Letang is a Hall of Famer. They both were on the fence about it. Robbie, do you think Chris Letang is a Hall of Famer? I think we may have touched on, this is another thing we may have touched on um, back when we were talking about Chris Letang uh, a few weeks ago. But I think the answer is yes, I really do. Um, I mean, when you look at it's really hard to say Chris Letang. I mean, when you look at the defensemen that played for the Penguins and you get into talking about Chris Letang as the greatest to ever play for the Penguins, it's pretty good company. There's some Hall of Famers that he's jumping over there. Now, I understand he's been in Pittsburgh longer. He's had more of the, uh, the trophies. He's had a Norris finalist in there. But these three guys are so interconnected, it almost feels wrong that – he wouldn't be included in, in the Hall of Fame uh, for what he's done. I mean, a thousand games played, given everything he's gone through. Maybe a little biased, but he should win the Masterson Trophy this year for coming back after his stroke. All that, to, I really think that he has to be in that. I understand why they think he's borderline. And again, he doesn't have the Norris Trophy. He only has one. Um, he was only a finalist once. He doesn't have like the points that guys like Carlson are going to have or Hedman will have or McCarr will end up having guys that are probably going to be in the hall of fame but i think that like if you look at his body of work compared to defensemen in his era he has to be in that conversation and i mean maybe it's a little cheap for me to say that yeah he should be because given that he's a pittsburgh penguin but i i I gotta roll with it i I think he is uh, i think he is in the hall of fame first ballot eh maybe not but i do think that if you're gonna put if you're gonna interconnect crosby and malkin and letang that closely with this era of Penguins hockey um, as being such a key part of this foundation. I think he has to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Question number six. Um, oh, my. Uh, well, haha. Uh, Here we go, no, yeah. Yeah, Brian, uh, Taylor Haas and Danny Shirey talk goalies on their podcast over the weekend and mentioned either trying to trade for UC Soros or offer, she- offer sheeting uh, Jeremy Swayman uh, from the Bruins. Uh, this team has so many question marks for next season, and a goalie is a big one. I will f- sort of follow up on what Robbie was saying earlier about UC Soros, and I will agree with him if that is the if if that is one of the scenarios that plays out, and Tristan Jari does not return, that Soros is probably the biggest goaltender on the open market if there is a contract dispute in Nashville. Jeremy Swayman's an interesting case with Lioness Allmark also, I believe, in, in Boston. Swayman is only 24, 25 years old, so he's a young goaltender. But Brian is not wrong when analyzing the goaltending position given Tristan Jari's inconsistencies in play, the various injuries he's he's suffered. Can he stay healthy over a long period of time? Can he even play 60 games in a season? 
uh, the, these are all questions that really have to be answered, whether by Ron Hextall or whomever may be the next Pittsburgh Penguins general manager. I would like UC Soros as a starting netminder. I don't know how much money he, he'd be worth on the open market right now off the top of my head, but interesting. The offer sheet is something that we don't see a lot in the NHL. Teams and general managers are very hesitant to put offer sheets out there for whatever reason. They don't want to disrupt anything. Robbie, who was the player a couple of years ago? The Carolina Hurricanes offer sheeted, uh, they offer sheeted, I think it was a player from the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Um, Cockton Niemi? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. But it was the other way first that the Canadians offer sheeted Sebastian Ajo. Yes, okay. They ma- Carolina matched that. And then years before that, the Flyers actually offer sheeted uh, Shea Weber when he was still in Nashville. Um, I think it was 2011, 2012 or something like that. Uh, and obviously Nashville equaled it, and they, he never he stayed in Nashville for the time being. But, yeah, it was um, – Cockney was like the last – at least major successful one. Um, then I think that was this past summer. Might have yes. been two years ago. I can't remember. Still pretty recent though, and it, all things considered, and yeah, you really just don't see offer sheet. I think it would create more drama and more tension. Yeah. Uh, if offer sheets were were put out more frequently when when free agency begins, um, I, I I would not be opposed to offer sheeting Jeremy Swayman and seeing how the Bruins would react. They would probably obviously prefer to keep Linus Allmark and, and, and go uh, a different route for the, for the backup position, but still just for entertainment value, I'd, I'd like to see more offer sheets. And for, for the sake of this question from Brian, yeah, heck yeah. Let's offer sheet Jeremy Swayman and uh, see if the 24, 25 year old goaltender can maybe do something in another shade of black and gold. If he were to join the Pittsburgh Penguins. Question number seven, also from Brian what type of player was Sergei Zubov when he landed in Pittsburgh? I always heard the guys from the Spit and Chicklets podcast praise his game. Yeah, so he came to the Penguins after three years uh, with the New York Rangers. That was his first three years in the season. He came to Pittsburgh, and he put up 66 points in 64 games in Pittsburgh. That was coming off a year, a lockout-shortened year, where he put up 36 and 38. And then the year before that, the year he really exploded, uh, he finished fourth in the Norris voting. He actually uh, put up 89 points in 78 games. And Zubov is a Hall of Famer. And Sergey Zubov is moving him for Kevin Hatcher is one of the big mistakes of the Craig Patrick era. Would have been an absolute legend in Pittsburgh. Was a, already a great, great uh, defenseman when he came, and he really only got better from that point on. Just a really good all-around player. Uh, he played uh, six. He had sixteen uh, career seasons. Uh, his last season was kind of abbreviated. Won two Stanley Cup. Never won a Norris, but he finished in the final voting, tw- or at least or one. He was third in the Norris voting once. Uh, but just a great all-around player. He. Had he played over a thousand games, he had 771 points, um, over 600 assists. Uh, would have been uh, great in Pittsburgh, and they kind of botched that um, after the first year. I mean, he was a point per game player his first year in Pittsburgh, and it was only his fourth year in the league. So he was, yeah, a great player in the Hall of Fame, 
and really something the Penguins uh, screwed up on big time. They yeah, there's a story that goes around that I think he was traded at the draft, and the Penguins called about making the trade. They called Dallas, and they mentioned Hatcher, and all the Stars front office guys thought they meant Darian Hatcher, who was a guy the Stars were not looking to move under any circumstances. Darian Hatcher was uh, a great player. Uh, for Dallas, and they really didn't have any plans on moving Darian Hatcher. But then they, then as the story goes, they said it was Kevin Hatcher, and who was not nearly as good as his brother. And the stars hung up thinking that it was a joke, and it turned out not to be a joke. They got Zubov for basically pennies on the dollar, and yeah, a huge screw up by the Penguins front office at that time because uh, Zubov was a really a great defenseman and would have been great in Pittsburgh for a long time. Question number eight from Brian. Uh, what's your favorite Mike Lang saying? Uh, mine has to be buy him a drink and get his dog one too. Robbie, I think we could spend an entire podcast oh, yeah. episode. Yeah, uh, easily. easily. <laughs> you know, that might be something we write down. If, if we decide to do a, a little bit more summer off-season content, we could come on and talk about favorite Mike Lang sayings. Honestly, the first one that came to mind well, and I almost want to do it in, in his voice and do an impersonation of it, but it is, uh, oh, Lord Stanley, Lord Stanley, bring me the brandy. I, and I remember, I'll never forget, it'll be etched in my brain, there was a hype video I found on YouTube someone made during the, I think it was the 2016 run. Uh, so Someone made some sort of fan edit hype video uh, when the Penguins were marching through and one of the last bits of audio before the, the video ends is Lang saying, Lord Stanley, Lord Stanley, get me the brandy. And it, it just, it rolls off the tongue so perfectly for how much success uh, the Penguins have had while Mike Lang was the, the guy. He, outside of Lemieux, outside of Lemieux and Yager, I mean, the Penguins had many great successes on the ice before I was even alive, and they've continued to have tremendous success on the ice with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. But even during some of those dark years, when Mike Lang was here in his early formative years as a young broadcaster, uh, seeing some of those sort of wretched Penguins teams to win the Mario Lemieux sweepstakes, to witness the draft of Sidney Crosby, of Genny Malkin, Chris Letang, Marc-Andre Fleury, see all those players blossom as well in his later years. It couldn't be more deserved. The reputation that man has created in this city is astronomical, cannot be described. I absolutely adore Mike Lang, even as he got older. You still hear, even today, I, I will, uh, someone will say, I'll turn the, the TV broadcast on mute, and I'll listen to radio. And I, people start, started doing that when Mike Lang was calling games. Just a little sidebar, I can't give enough praise to Josh Getzoff and Phil Bork. I think they have tremendous chemistry. Getzoff filling in the shoes very admirably for for Mike Lang as the radio play-by-play guy. So hats off to Mike Lang. I hope he's enjoying retirement right now. That is my favorite saying. Lord Stanley, Lord Stanley, bring me the brandy. Question number nine. We'll switch it, switching it up here, going to Noah Jordan. Robbie, do you have any pending UFAs on the top of your head or maybe on the top of your wish list that the Penguins should be targeting this offseason? Yeah, so I looked up the list, and it's not great. It's not a great free agent class, especially when, I mean, your top guys are going to be 
uh, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, guys that are well over the hill. Vladdy Tarasenko isn't what he once was. Ryan O'Reilly, uh, maybe interesting, but probably going to cost too much. Um, a lot of just, yeah, Max Pacioretty's in there. Um, but with his injury history, uh, it doesn't look like, yeah, he's going to be a viable option. Now, you guys have RFA guys that, I mean, if you want to get, if you want to roll the dice, uh, Alex Zabrinkit, Timo Meyer, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Jesper Bratt. So, I mean, some names that way uh, that could be uh, interesting to play with. Just kind of going through the list here, though, of guys that, hey, maybe these guys are worth um, worth a shot. I mean, Dmitry Orlov is a free agent. I don't know what some of these prices are going to be. One of the big names that pops out here um, is Jason Zucker. Obviously, in Pittsburgh now, do the Penguins keep him? Do they move on? Uh, I guess we'll have to see. Another name that has been mentioned on this podcast, Jordan Stahl. Will he or uh, will he be an option for the Penguins this summer? The Penguins, once these contracts are cleared off, and depending on what trades are made, there are going to be some options there uh, with stuff to with some room to, to maneuver and stuff. And maybe a guy like Alexander Kerfoot in Toronto, um, he's making three and a half million this year. Uh, maybe he uh, comes in and helps your bottom six. JT Comfer maybe comes in and helps your bottom six a little bit. Um, these are just some names that pop up that stick out to me. Again, maybe they go the trade route rather than any than another way because it's so the free agent class isn't super deep. But I, I mean, you never know what they can do because you have you're going to have options. Another name that was thrown around the Penguins a couple years ago was Pius Suter. Um, he's currently in Detroit. Jesse Puyarvi, uh, but he's a restricted free agent, so you can see how that works out. I mean, Max Domi's been mentioned about six thousand times around the Penguins, so. There will be some options. Um, it's not the greatest free agent class, but those are just some names that maybe keep in mind as we roll along here and we start the playoffs wrap up and we start talking free agents rather than uh, worrying about whether or not the Penguins are going to make the playoffs. Question number 10. Uh, again, we're back to Brian. If we do get into the playoffs, we could go farther than any of us think. Jari could be extra motivated given the season he's had, lack of playoff success. Russ is starting to get on a heater. Sid and Gino uh, have the will to have a will to win that is unmatched. Uh, a recent history shows anything. Just look at the COVID playoffs uh, with the Canadians. The Canadians, I believe they they made the Stanley Cup final, didn't they, against the, the yep. Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah. So yep, you're right. Anything anything is possible. Brian Rust, uh, like like Brian mentioned, uh, Brian Rust is starting to get on a little bit of a heater. He has. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five points in his last five games. He had two goals and an assist for three points April 1st against the Boston Bruins. Uh, he scored a goal April 2nd against the Philadelphia Flyers, and he scored a goal on April 4th against the New Jersey Devils. I was starting to get concerned about Brian Rust, wondering if something was wrong with him, if he was nursing an injury. Uh, he hadn't looked like his normal self, and he hadn't been putting up some of the point totals that maybe we had become accustomed to with the ice time he was getting. But maybe he's turned a corner at just the right time. Uh, Tristan Jari, I have to think that has to weigh on Tristan Jari's mind. He has not been able to prove himself that disastrous series against the Islanders. He gets injured last year, does not play in the majority of the series against the New York Rangers, when many predict that if he had, the Penguins dispatched the Rangers. And now we're here where he's had an up-and-down injury-riddled season. The Penguins are still fighting for their lives with two games left in the regular season. Tristan Jari has to be motivated to try and play as, be well, as best as he can 
not only to get some sustained playoff success, but also because he's obviously in a contract year and he, you know, he wants them to show him the money. What is he really worth? That is something that has to be weighing on his mind, maybe in the back of it, maybe not up front, but for all of these reasons mentioned for Jari, for Rust, Crosby and Malkin, they are as determined as Brian says, they are as determined as any two athletes you will ever see. And they love winning championships. It, it, the, the feeling of winning championships, I have not won a single championship in my life, but watching some of the Stanley Cup celebrations, that feeling, that euphoria does not get old. And even if you're if you're 18 years old, 25 years old, or 35 years old, you want to keep winning championships because it's great to eat pasta out of the Stanley Cup and drink mm-hmm. out of the Stanley Cup and do other perhaps X-rated things with the Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? All of those reasons sort of come together to create what's going to be a fascinating environment for the last two games for the Penguins here against the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets. For the entire season, they have bottled easy games against the Red Wings, the Canadians, teams that you would routinely expect a team like the Penguins to beat. And if this season has taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected with the 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins. But I firmly believe Anything is possible. You have to punch a ticket to the dance first. You have to get to the dance. Once you get there, like Brian mentions, maybe they can turn into the 2020 COVID Montreal Canadiens and go on a run with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Question number 11 comes from Brian. Robbie, what are your thoughts on the reports that recently surfaced regarding the JT Miller trade? And it was allegedly far enough along, but didn't happen Allegedly, because Ron Hextall did not know where to move Jason Zucker. Yeah, it really speaks to how the Penguins are run when you're trying to trying to find a place to dump um, what has arguably been maybe your third most important player uh, this season. And again, the JT Miller trade is a better trade to make in the offseason. It always was and always will be. Whether or not they revisit it this offseason with uh, expected new management uh, remains to be seen, but what what was the plan? I don't know what the plan was with the rumors that Jason Zucker was maybe on his way out the door. I don't understand what the thinking there was because he's been so important to your team this year, and you'd have to reintegrate a new player. What if he doesn't click the way J- Zucker has this year? It just yeah, really, but it's really hard to make a trade like that at the deadline and it's even worse when you don't know what you're doing. I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise, at least right now that that trade didn't go through. Uh, that's nothing against J- or JT Miller. That's just against management kind of trying to do something and force an answer that wasn't there. And that wasn't the answer. And again, if we want to revisit in the off season, Hey, fine by me. I think JT Miller is a fine player. If you can get some retention um, on that deal, then, man, that rolls. Again, I'm not against bringing Jason Zucker back this offseason, um, and he's been too valuable to this team this year to have been rumored to be a piece of what would have been a blockbuster trade for the Penguins. And, I mean, it just kind of, I think, in my opinion, speaks to kind of the incompetence of the current front office that that was what was being discussed, that they were so dead set on JT Miller that they were willing to ship out one of their best players and most important players this year when he's going on an expiring contract. It's not like you had to move money for the future. It was kind of 
sacrificing a a good chunk of their production that's come this year for a a question mark with how it fits in the rest of the season. So, yeah, I mean, does it surprise me? Not really. It's kind of nice to have some more details. Uh, but I think that now that we're over a month past the trade deadline, basically the best option would have been do nothing. And they didn't do that. Could have been significantly worse if they would have uh, pushed out Jason Zucker to bring in uh, and kind of mess up what chemistry there has been this year. Question number 12, again from Brian. Uh, Describe this season using a pop-punk song title. Mine is either Pathetic from Blink-182's Dude Ranch, Don't Tell Me It's Over, or What Went Wrong from Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. I always love getting pop punk and, and blink questions in the <laughs> mailbag just under a little under a month away before I see them in Pittsburgh for my birthday. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but, cool. but looking, uh, looking at, I'll stick with blink 182's discography. What went wrong? And, uh, don't tell me it's over. Those were, those are some deep cut hidden tracks from uh, take off your pants and jacket looking. You could go with, you could just based on song titles, you could go with damn it from, uh, from dude ranch. You could also go with roller coaster also from mm. take off your pants and jacket. Those were the first two songs that popped in my head, <laughs> the frustration from damn it or roller coaster from take off your pants and jacket. But I do, I do enjoy, uh, I do enjoy Brian throwing me a bone here and getting a little tidbit to talk some Blink-182 as we wrap up the mailbag here. We'll wrap up the mailbag with another fun question. We'll wrap it up with Brian this week. Very interesting. I did not know this. Ravi, did you know that you can fight in lacrosse? I recently saw a reel that says fighting in lacrosse is legal. That's one sport I wanted my high school to offer. And... It always intrigued me, mostly due to it being so similar to hockey. Robbie, I never played lacrosse. My high school never offered lacrosse. Does Penn State have a lacrosse team? Yeah, they have men's and women's. That's what I thought. I, I Sometimes I watch the Big Ten Network and I see mm, uh, yeah. them play lacrosse. But yep. uh, anyway, Robbie, do you know the ins and outs of lacrosse? Because I sure do not. So, I mean, I'm probably familiar enough with lacrosse. Uh, I didn't know, like... There's a some professional cross leagues that are on TV in the summer, and it can get really physical, like extremely physical um, for a game that I didn't really know that fighting was legalized. Because like, even if it is, I don't think it's something that happens. I very if you think fighting's rare in, the, in hockey, I think it's even less um, less common in lacrosse. I mean, I've seen some scrums and some. I mean, they're hitting each other with those sticks, which does not look that bad on TV, but can absolutely not feel good uh, at all. And, I mean, they do have some padding, but for the most part, it's pretty light padding. And it does not look comfortable. Yeah, my high school did not offer it either. I come from a pretty small town. But um, if you're familiar with the game of lacrosse at all, um, it's very, very prominent out in eastern Pennsylvania, closer to Philly, um, and really along the entire east coast. It's huge in the DMV. Uh, it's huge in Virginia, all the way down into all your really good, good lacrosse teams are mostly um, on the East Coast or on the or New England. Syracuse is a one of the better teams. University of Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, Johns Hopkins. They don't have – I think that is their only D1 program. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that – That's incredible if that's true. Yeah, and they're a powerhouse. Like they win national championships. 
Um, the Big Ten, the University of Maryland, Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, Penn State was in the Final Four, I think, 2019, the year before COVID. They were in uh, the Final Four. Like I said, University of Virginia won. I think they've won like three of the last four national championships or something like that. Duke is always uh, a powerhouse. Wake Forest, all those like Eastern schools. There may be some Western schools uh, out in California that have the money and they have the talent pool to pull from uh, to, to, to build really good teams. But it's a very regional sport, and it's a, it's a sport that's often bougie. And it might be the right word, but it's often thrown in with like as an upper class, uh, middle, middle to upper class sport. A lot of the kids, I mean, come from a lot of money and stuff like that. Cause it's, again, when it's that specialized, the coaching and the clubs and the travel can be cost prohibitive. So it tends to lean itself more toward a wealthy sport that way. But again, it's getting big. It's, it's growing. I believe it will be at some, in some form in the Olympics in 2028 in Los Angeles. Uh, so it, it is physical. Uh, on TV, um, none of it looks for the weak. It looks like a very a physical sport, and they're hitting you with those sticks. And I've held a lacrosse ball, and it is like a dense rock that bounces. It is, It hurts. It's like a baseball, except all rubber. And they are, I don't know what the top speeds on them shots are, but when I see somebody winding up, I'd be so far down on the ground. And I've seen bruises on guys, and it looks like it hurts. But, I mean, I know ESPN covers one of the, the major lacrosse leagues in the United States. So this summer when you're flicking uh, through the channels, I believe they play on weekends. Maybe stop and check it out. It's a, If you like hockey, the concept is basically the same. A few different rules here and there. The penalties are different. More scoring for the most part. But they do face-offs. They do – you can get two-minute minors and – yeah, there's rough and tumble action as well. So, yeah, if it's something you're interested in, check it out. And I do recommend it, especially if you're into hockey, because it's a it's a very similar concept. I uh, I did not think we were going to get that in depth of a discussion regarding lacrosse. In all honesty, <laughs> but you know, I'm impressed, and uh, I I would certainly certainly go out of my way if I was bored during the summer and, and check it out on ESPN. But yeah. Uh, well, you learn something new every day. I learned a whole lot about lacrosse just in the last four or five minutes of Robbie giving that answer. So, <laughs> hey, uh, that's that's going to do it. That's going to wrap up this week's mailbag edition of the Pens Cast. Uh, and like I mentioned, we will be back later in the week for either what Robbie described last week as a eulogy or a playoff preview, one or the other. We'll see what the Penguins do uh, with the final two regular season games they have against the Chicago Blackhawks and the Columbus Blue Jackets. But until we meet again later in the week, I have been Garrett Bahanna for Robbie Noggle. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pens Cast Mailbag, and we will talk to all of you again, well, later in the week. <laughs>